The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We carry on through our day as if everything is just fine. But for many of us, it's merely a mask covering up all the emotion simmering just under the surface. Welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership with Shamin Sadiq. In this program, you'll hear from others who face the same adversities in life as the rest of us. But these individuals have redirected their energies to creating extraordinary ideas and concepts. Find out what they are and what's behind the motive. Now, here is your host, Shamin Sadiq. Hello, and welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm your host, Shamin Sadiq, and it's week number four. I'm so excited. I've been thinking a lot about the show and what it is and what it isn't and what it's becoming. And what I think some of you already know about me is I'm a lifelong learner. I just take everything that comes along and good, bad, or otherwise, trust that it has something to teach me. And this show is no different. So first, let me thank you for the feedback that I received from many of you on the show last week. Our guest and I had a deeper conversation about hope and perhaps was deeper than than was expected uh, by listeners and maybe was exactly the kind of conversation you were yearning for. But what I realized afterwards is that this show has taken on in some respects a life of its own. So when I started four weeks ago, four short weeks ago, I knew enough to get started. I knew enough about what it was I was up to and why I was doing it to get started. And what has happened is with each week, I have taken such rich learning out of what has happened. And it continues to be this beautiful dance between me and the show and the people who have joined me as guests and those of you who are listening. So here's what I'm learning. That this show is, yeah, it's about stories from the heart of leadership. And it's about me having a conversation with people who I love and who mean so much to me. That's really what I'm doing here. And if I think about this in terms of of where it fits on the spectrum of things I'm involved in, I have a newsletter that I write. I send it out monthly. I write it whenever the spirit moves me. I'm not a weekly blogger. I, I take that newsletter and I talk about what's happening with me. I relate it in some way to some learning or some leadership uh, element. And then I share it and offer it out there with all of you. This show feels like an extension of that. And what I'm learning is that it's about uh, not only me. So it's about me. It's about my guest. And then I hope it's about you as well. What I hope more than anything is that as you're listening, you hear things that, that make you reflect on your own life or that have you recognize something that you may have experienced and that in some way this is helpful to you. So that's my invitation to all of us is to take the learning out of it that is available to you and and let it be harvested for the richness that it has to offer. Now what I've noticed in terms of my guests is that 
Some are interested in getting some exposure for their services. Others are interested in telling a deeper story about themselves. And there are many other things that people are interested in sharing here on the show. So what I want you to know is this. It's going to be different every time. Sometimes it'll have more of a marketing feel. Other times it will be informative. And sometimes it will just be a deeper conversation between me and the brave soul who has agreed to to come and join me. And that's what I think we're in for today, is a much deeper conversation. Our theme is no coincidences. And before I jump in, if you'd like to join us, if you have a comment or a question, or you just want to join our conversation, you can reach us by calling in at 1-888-346-9141. So, no coincidences. I believe that there aren't coincidences. Here's one for you. The beginning of this show, Stories from the Heart of Leadership, my coach asked me a few months ago, what was my intention? What was my intention? I had this feeling that there was something next, but I didn't know what it was. So she asked me to consider that question. And when I did, the answer that came back right away was, I want to get my voice out there. I want to share my message with a larger group of people, a broader group of people than I could reach on my own individually, one-on-one or one-on-group. The funniest thing is, three days after saying that out loud, I got a phone call from Voice America. Voice America called me, said, hey, uh, would you like to have a show on our network? And I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe how uh, coincidental that is. I was just saying, I want my voice out there, and now Voice America has called me. So you know where the story goes, because here we are on the show. And there's no coincidence about my guest either. My guest today is my beloved spirit mother, Linda Sadik. Linda and I met about 24 years ago when she and my dad fell in love, and they have spent uh, their lives together since then. It's been a gift for my dad, for sure, and he could talk about that. But here's what I believe, is that Linda is one of the angels in my life, and there is no coincidence. She has been in my life a great support, a sounding board, a friend, a sister, a mother. Uh, She and I play many roles in each other's lives. We have one of the most satisfying relationships that I have ever had, and I'm so grateful that she agreed to join me here today. Welcome, Linda. Oh, thank you. And now I'm crying and I haven't started. (laughs) How beautiful, Charmaine. Thank you. And and how beautiful you are, and you know that I feel that way about you. And um, and as I think it said in the little blurb that we wrote at the beginning um, for this program, um, I really have, right from the beginning, meeting you, felt that you were a gift in my life, a surprise gift in my life. Um, I knew after our first conversation, which was on the telephone, um, that your dad was in deep trouble because the two of us, were soulmates and we were going to gang up on him <laughs> and um, I couldn't wait for that to happen <laughs> and and really a third daughter in my life so um, how blessed I am how blessed we both are and all of our extended family too yeah um, we were talking this morning about how we were going to get started with this conversation and here's the funny thing is that we were saying, we're not quite sure. We're just going to start talking about coincidences and no coincidences, and here we are. And And I know that, 
Yeah, and here we are. <laughs> so, and both of us, um, both of us believe, and and um, it will manifest as we talk that um, whatever happens is meant to happen, and it's uh, it's a matter of trusting. Uh, I also feel. Um, you and I have these conversations all the time. Um, the difference for me is that usually we go off into a room or a corner away from the kids and the food and the craziness and the little cars running up and down the room mm-hmm. and uh, all of that that is in our lives when we're often together and we find a quiet spot and have our conversation. And today we're having this conversation, each of us in a quiet spot, um, in, in front of whoever is listening. And um, I have to say, it makes me a little nervous, makes me a little excited, and um, it, 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 there's a, a deep part in me that wants to say, I, I wish we could have everybody actually literally in on the conversation, because how rich that would be. I agree. And I think that one of the features of doing this in a public forum like this is that we, we are inviting everyone to join us, whether they join us by phoning in, whether they join us by conversing with us afterwards, or whether they join us just by witnessing and reflecting. Um, we're all in this together. Right. Yeah. Uh, we often go off by ourselves and have conversations and other people in our family really notice that we have this special bond that we can co-create this safe place together to talk about just about anything. What should we talk about today? Well, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking what is the, um, when we talk about no coincidences, if that's our focus, um, uh, it's, it's no coincidence that um, today... Um, is week four, you said. Yes. I didn't know that. Um, there is something about the number four for me since I've been a little kid. And um, the, it, number four was the number I picked when, I don't know how old I was, maybe four or five. My aunt and uncle had taken me to the exhibition um, I may have been there before that, but have no memory of ever being there before that. And um, and I wanted a certain stuffed something or other so badly. And, um, you know, those games that they have down there. And so I picked the number four, and I won my little something or other. And since that time, number four has been very special to me. Um, so here we are in week four. And, wow. Um, and fascinating for me as I listen to your um, introduction, not talking about our relationship, but talking about your learning uh, about your program and being on the program and the conversations that you've been having, um, is, is that is the way I see the world. It's the way I um, tell myself, because I don't always hold it as tightly, I guess, as I should that whatever is coming my way, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life, is there for a reason. It's not Mm -hmm. a coincidence it's coming my way. It's not a coincidence it's coming my way right now. And and that it's doing so to help me learn whatever it is I need to learn at this point in my life to come closer to 
the authentic being I'm meant to be to live my purpose in this world. Um, and I can tell you um, that <laughs> that there are many times when what's coming my way feels like crap. <laughs> I don't mm. like it. I don't want it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I want to deny it. It makes me angry. Um, that I forget that that's the reality of it. I believe it's the reality of it. And yet, um, somewhere deep inside, if I can breathe and uh, step back a little from the drama of the feelings that are engulfing me as this thing is approaching or has arrived, I remember. And that helps me to um, get out of the drama a little bit and really ask the question, so what what does this mean? What am I meant to learn? What is the possibility in here for me to grow and, um, and get a little bit closer to living my purpose in the world? What's your sense of what your purpose is now? It, it's interesting. I, I don't think I consciously ever thought about my purpose in the world until I did my coach training at the Hudson Institute in Santa Barbara, which was in uh, 2001, I think. And part of, no, that's not true. The pre-course to that, which was called Life Launch, which was in 1999, is when I first consciously thought about my purpose and um, developed a vision board and all of that cool stuff that you do. And my purpose had to do with, um, and I don't remember the exact words, but being fully me, Mm. allowing myself to be fully myself, um, and through the learning and the process of doing that, um, support others to become fully themselves, um, appreciate themselves, acknowledge themselves, respect themselves, and and step into all that they're meant to be. Um, that purpose hasn't changed, although I define it a little differently now, and and I'm... I think of it now as um, speaking my truth in service of others. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that resonates for me um, more at this point in my life is that for most of my life, um, I've written, uh, written to save my life when I was a kid, really, um, created, created worlds that were happier than the world I was living in. Um, and uh, I know I write well um, and wanted at one point to be a journalist, and um, it's always been a strong theme in my life. I, I think that's what I'm meant to do, and, and yet I've denied it. I've told myself stories about how I have nothing worthwhile to write for anyone who cares mm-hmm. Um, and done a very good job with those stories, I have to say, maybe because I'm a writer, <laughs> and believed them. And so wrote little bits here and there, but, but never um, really spoke my truth in writing. And, um, and now I am doing that, um, in the process of doing that. And even though I can beat myself up and say, okay, you're 67 years old, look at all the years wasted, there's another, I think, wiser part of me that says, wasted? No, never. 
um, you've lived the years you've lived to learn what you've needed to learn to be able to write now what you're writing. And will that be the same thing you write if you're still alive and writing 20 years from now? Absolutely not. It'll be different again because I'll be continuing to learn. You know, what this makes me think of is the metaphor of a pot of soup. And I think of that for many reasons. First of all, it came up in a conversation with a client earlier today, but mostly because when I think of you, I think of this delicious soup that you make. It's so, it's so healing. Your, your chicken soup is the most healing soup on, that I've ever experienced and, and, and tasted. And what I know about the soup is you could just throw everything into the pot, bring it to a boil, and then eat it, and it would be kind of okay. Or you can put everything into the pot, bring it to a boil, and then lower the heat and let it simmer. And the longer it simmers, the richer the broth becomes, the more flavorful the whole thing becomes, and the more satisfying it is to eat it. And I would suspect the more healing it is to eat it. I mm, feel like I that... Yeah, I feel like that's the metaphor for, for your book. And you could tell yourself this, you know, silly story about how nobody wants to hear what you have to say or how you should have done it earlier. But I think that the, the truth is it had to simmer away to this point to be ready for you to share it in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love the metaphor. And, and my, I think of my... my um, uh, late uh, Auntie Esther, who I absolutely adored, who defined me my, by my soup. <laughs> my soupness. I mean, even as a kid, my, you know, give me 14 choices of what we're going to have for dinner and what I want is soup. <laughs> and, um, and it clearly made an impression on her. So I, I love the metaphor and it's very apt. <laughs> Thank you for that. And, and no coincidence there either, right? Nope. Soup is what you nope. loved to eat, what you preferred to eat. And here you are, you know, brewing this, uh, simmering this pot of soup for us all to enjoy. Right. Well, thank you. And I wow. think of it as my comfort food, whereas other people go to cake and I don't know what else, ice cream. Yeah. I do go to soup. And, um, and maybe, you know, my words will be of some comfort as well. So that's kind of cool. Oh, I'm positive that that will be the case. We are going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll hear more about Linda and me and what we're up to and how this pot of soup simmering uh, serves, serves others, serves us and others. So we'll see you in a few moments. We're Stories from the Heart of Leadership. We're talking with Linda Sadik today about no coincidences, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best-Kept Secrets for Success in Business and Life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. 
Boxing, like networking, is a contact sport. The more contacts and connections you make, the greater your success. If you're a business owner, sales agent, or job seeker, it's all about the connection. If you want help in your corner, pick up a copy of Knockout Networking today by speaker and author Michael Goldberg. Michael's book will absolutely help you generate more prospects, more referrals, and more business, or more job leads, or even more social connections. Knockout Networking will help you feel more confident speaking with people you don't know. Determine who your target market is, the best way to introduce yourself at business meetings, how to deliver an elevator pitch, follow-up, and how to generate more leads. Social media isn't always the answer, but Knockout Networking is. Visit KnockoutNetworking.com to pick up your copy of Michael Goldberg's book, Knockout Networking. Remember, nothing happens in business without a connection. So make the right connections. Visit KnockoutNetworking.com today. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. You are listening to stories from the heart of leadership. If you have a question or comment or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shamin at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. So welcome back. This is Stories from the Heart of Leadership, and I'm Shamin Sadiq, your host. I'm joined today by my spirit mother, Linda Sadiq. And we were talking about soup before the break. And so over the break, we were chatting about how we're both now craving some soup and we're kind of hungry. So uh, we'll, we'll get to satisfy our hunger uh, a little bit later. But I have a hunger that I want to satisfy now, Linda, and that is I want... Uh, part of why I asked you to join me here on the show, in addition to all the other things that I've already said and that we've shared, is that I know one of the things that you've been doing um, is working with, is, is finding young women, and young by young, I don't even know what I mean by that, but women who uh, you almost adopt and, and bring into your family. Tell us more about, tell us about that. Um. Sure, happy to. And and a little correction in what you said, because I don't find them, they find me. Ah, yes. And, um, and, and that, too, is no coincidence. Um, so um, when you focus on that, the, the, the women I think of, first of all, are um, um, some young women, young being, I don't know how old they are now, some some... 40-something, some 30-something, so these aren't kids, um, um, the ones I call my Egyptian daughters, um, your dad, Asen, and I um, lived, uh, as you know, in Egypt for four years and worked there, and um, there were, you know, men and there were women, obviously, that we were interacting with, working with very closely. Um, and it had, I think, something to do with the fact that um, I'm a woman, I'm a North American woman, um, I'm, despite my introversion, quite outspoken about what I believe, and um, 
several of the women that we were working with there um, and, and it started out as a completely work-related relationship, um, clearly wanted to know more about me, to let me know more about them. And I, I honestly can't remember how the various conversations started, but suddenly, um, each of them individually, these women were telling me about their life in Egypt, about their joys and their frustrations living in a country where there were so many rules, cultural and religious, about what women could and couldn't do, um, about the um, rules, I guess, also placed on them by their families, by their parents, which, of course, reflected the culture that they were in, and about their dreams, about their their hopes for themselves, about their hopes for their country, um, and they just intuitively, I think, felt that because I was a woman, because I was an older woman, about their mother's age, and because I came from Canada, uh, I would share the the share and understand the the depths and the importance of those dreams to them, and bring to their conversations a different perspective from the one they were hearing from their countries, from their families, from their friends even. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I got to know each of these women um, intimately. Um, I am sure, without a doubt, that I know some things about them that no one else in their lives know. Uh, I This is now... Uh, how many years later? Uh, we were there from 1997 until 2000. Um, I've been back a f- couple of times since, two or three times since, um, for pleasure, invited to one of their weddings and mm-hmm. for work, and um, continue to stay in touch, uh, sometimes um, by telephone, more often by email or Skype, Um Several of them have come to visit our home in Toronto, as you know, and um, because uh, you, Shamin, and my uh, other daughters and um, son, Kareem, all came to visit us in Egypt. They got to know my family, our family, um, and have stayed in touch with them as well in one way or form, um, and and they're still in my life, um, still writing to me, still letting me know what goes on, asking me questions, um, asking for guidance. Um, so I, my relationship with them is on a less frequent basis, very much like my relationship with you, Shamin. Um, sometimes I'm their mom, sometimes I'm their friend, sometimes I'm their coach, um, sometimes they're my coach. Um, mm. it's, uh, it's very warm and intimate and truly uh, a, a gift to me. Um, has been a very special way for me to... Um, grow more into myself and to help them grow more into all that they can be in the world. And it just, they're now all over the world. So um, I'm trying to think if anyone is still in Egypt at the moment. Uh, one is partly in, in Egypt. She's got one foot in and one foot out. Mm-hmm. Um, another is uh, in Geneva. And um, 
Oh, yes. Another one is fully in Egypt. Another one is here in Canada. And, um, you know, just remarkable how they've grown and blossomed and the impact they're having. And I really see them stepping into all they can be and, and maybe more than they could have been um, had they um, stayed within the confines and the boundaries of the culture that they lived in. Um, I think they're a gift to the world. I think they're a gift to their country if their country is ever able to see it and accept it. Um, and I just feel so, so very, very blessed that I know them and that they've walked into my life. There's so much to reflect on here. Um, I have about 10 different threads here that I want to pick up. But let's start with the first one, which is, I mean, the theme of this show is no coincidences. And here's what I'm hearing in your story. You didn't go to Egypt with a purpose uh, or an intention to find young women to coach and to, you know, mentor and mother. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't your intention in going there. I'm, like, I'm correct on that, yes? Absolutely correct. Yeah. And then these women found their way into your life and you found your way into each other's hearts. Definitely. And that's Definitely. not a coincidence and either. Not, not at all. Not at all. Um, the work that um, I, well, I was going to say that I went to Egypt for, but the reality is I went to Egypt because um, your dad had work there and I went um, knowing that in some shape or form I would also find work. And, um, and we ended up um, working together doing different aspects of the same health reform project. And these young women were um, either already in the arena of health reform or came into it. Um, and... Um, one of them, the one who is still in Egypt, very much still in Egypt, um, came in through through another door, through a, a, a woman that I happened to meet, also in health. She was a doctor, and this woman was uh, um, working, um, volunteering at the Nat National Cancer Institute in Egypt, and and. Uh, I don't know, we started talking about her dream and just by the questions I asked and the answers she gave, we suddenly realized there was potential for us to do some work there together. So that's how we got to know each other. But it was all through work. It was all just uh, the way we showed up with each other, I guess. I I don't know how to show up any other way than who I am. And um, again, it's taken me a while to learn the lesson, but I've learned that those who respond favorably to the me that I am when I show up are somehow meant to be in my life, whether it's for a short period of time or whether it's for a longer period of time. And they showed up openly and honestly as who they were, and I fell in love with them. You know, one of the things that I love about life is how it's in those it's in those un, uh, almost unconscious moments when we're just being ourselves that amazing things happen and we could try and orchestrate stuff like that really hard and I sure have tried to orchestrate many things in my life uh, sometimes they work out sometimes they don't but in, inevitably they have high cost high energy cost and are um, not the most graceful 
Right. So this this beauty within with which they wove their way into your you, you wove your way into each other's lives is just is just so so beautiful such an unexpected gift and yet so exactly who I know you to be and what purpose I believe you're here to serve like it all fits so beautifully together for me. Yeah, yeah, isn't it remarkable? Um, I don't remember who it was, some wise person, once said something about um, when we're in our lives, um, moving forward day to day, month to month, year to year, um, they sometimes feel like they're kind of going all over the place and there's no integrity in it. I don't mean integrity in terms of honesty, but I mean no um, common threads and and yet, if we stop and look back, particularly when we're older, I think, because there's more to look back at, you suddenly see how all the twists and turns and strange things that at the time seemed like I'm jumping off a cliff here because it bears no connection to anything I've done before, mm-hmm. how they all make sense, how they all fit together, how each one led in some way to the one that came next. Um, and And that... That, to me, is so fascinating. I just think life is such fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. I've been, uh, I went for a walk today. It's a very beautiful day here in Toronto today. Finally, the sun is shining, and it's actually above freezing, first time in many weeks. And it just was a, a, I went for a walk to reflect on this show, today's show, just to ground myself and to uh, go to this special spot I like by the lake. And, you know, the smallest things touched me along the way. Uh, There was an an elderly gentleman walking towards me, and there's, you know, still a kind of a narrow path on the sidewalk because there's so much ice on either side. So he paused so that I could pass him or so that I could, you know, take up some of the sidewalk and we could, you know, intersect, and he was coming towards me. So, um, but I stopped, and I had my earphones in. I was listening to my music, uh, but I stopped, and I said hello to him, and I don't know him. He's just someone in my neighborhood. We had a, maybe a 30-second interchange uh, with each other, and that was it. And then we said goodbye, you know, to each other, wished each other a happy day, and carried on. Um, I don't know what thread will, that is part of at this moment. All I know is I left, and my eyes filled with tears, it, it, because life is rich. Life is amazing. Uh Every every little thing has something to offer, and I know that. And I could feel that in that interaction. I could feel that. So I just think that's so. I think I'm that's so, so cool. glad you could feel that. One of the things, um, and this has to do with me being an old person. <laughs> one of the things. One of the things I worry about these days is that so many um, people are always hooked up to something. So I mean. It's, if it's not the computer, it's their smartphones. If it's not their smartphones, it's their headphones. If it's not their headphones, it's something else. And they're on Twitter and Flickr, and I don't know what all those things are. And, and, and in some ways, and I get it, I'm not panning social media, but in some ways connecting with others, and in some ways shutting themselves off from all the richness of the world. And um, it... it it, it's frightening to me. Sometimes when I'm um, on the subway at home um, or even just walking down the street, I see that nobody's actually looking at anybody else. Yeah. 
yeah. or smiling at anybody else or noticing that one person is playing with their little kid and the little child's being so adorable or that one person looks like they've just got the worst news of their life and probably needs a big hug um, because they're hooked into whatever it is they're hooked into and not actually hooked into life in front of them. Um, anyway, just a little rant. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it ties into everything that is here. I mean, this show is about, um, so there's a slight reframe that I'm getting on this, but I, my initial intention was like, I wanted people to know that they weren't alone. Um, and so this aloneness and this separateness is in some ways exacerbated by our addiction to our devices. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and it's, it's, I think it's motivated by a desire to connect, but we kind of losing the art of human connection as a culture. And what I'm learning now is that this show is not only about um, knowing that you're not alone or knowing that you're not the only person who's experiencing something, but it's also coming into relationship with that aloneness. And I still have much to learn on this. It's still showing itself to me. But my example of the, the conversation today is I had my headphones and I was aware. I've got my headphones. I'm listening to music. In some way, I'm separating myself from anybody that I come across. And so I made a conscious choice when I saw that I was approaching him. I looked up while I was walking because I didn't have to watch every step anymore. It's not so icy. I looked up and I saw him and I said, no, I'm going to actually... Uh, turn the volume down, or I, I, mean, I could even pull them out of my ears. I didn't, but so that I can, because I want to connect with this person. This is right. important to me. He's another human. Right. We're out enjoying this beautiful day. And I had similar interactions with about three or four other people that I encountered on the way. And so I, I think there's, um, I, I don't also, I also don't want to say that all these devices are, are bad or put them on the, you know, negative end of things. It's more like, how can we come into relationship with ourselves and our aloneness and our togetherness and dance and dance with whatever is here in, in a way that's, I don't know, preserving of a recognition of our shared humanity, mm -hmm. which can come Definitely. in many different shapes and forms. Definitely. And yeah. You said something that struck me um, in that something is really important, and that is that you made a choice. So you had the headphones on, you were inside your music, you saw this gentleman, and you made a choice to make eye contact and speak with him, um, even for that short period of time. Um, I think that sometimes when we're um, sitting in front of the television or the computer or hooked into our headphones or on Twitter or whatever it is, we forget. We, we just disappear. It's, it's like we disappear into it and we forget that we have a choice to stay there or to leave it. And um, the choice to leave it to actually connect with whoever and whatever is going on around us, even if it is our own aloneness, um, is, I think, a very important part of living fully in our own presence. So being aware of our own feelings, being aware of our own thoughts, um, being aware of our own context, our own surroundings, um, it's very important. I think if we're always, if we've always got stuff coming at us, we lose ourselves. We lose our sense of who we are and the value of who we are, um, the strength and the vulnerability and the beauty of who we are. 
and and then wonder why we don't feel confident, why we do feel alone if we're not attached to something, to some music or some um, vehicle of information being fed to us. Um, the the sense of aloneness and not feeling grounded and planted and stable and confident in who we are, I think gets even bigger. So it's interesting you use the word disappear. We need to disappear for a couple of moments, but we will be back. We're going to take a break. This is Stories from the Heart of Leadership, and I'm so delighted to be here with my spirit mom, Linda Sadek. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shamin at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back. We have reappeared. Shamin Sadek and Linda Sadek here together on Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Now, one thing I notice is that I don't get uh, any phone calls on this show, so I'll give you the number again in case you're moved to call. It's one 888 
3469141. My executive producer and I were chatting about this and he said, I don't know if you're going to get a lot of phone calls. And I said, why is that? And he said, because what you're doing is you're having a very intimate conversation. And when you're having that kind of conversation, people generally don't want to interrupt. It's not like we're talking about something very contentious or challenging uh, and we're not talking about sports or you know something where people could weigh in with something they'd seen. So it's not surprising to me. And if you do want to call, uh, please do. We'll be happy to take your call. And uh, this is the other thread that I wanted to pull out of your story, Linda, about the time in Egypt and how these young women found you. Is that not only was it a gift, I'm sure it was a big gift to them. I know it was a gift to you, but it's a gift to me. Um, and my family. I, w- I was fortunate to be able to come and visit you and dad twice when you were in Egypt. Um, and because I have no, uh, my, my heritage is East Indian. I was born in Canada. Uh, so I don't have any Egyptian blood in me that I'm aware of. Um, although I suppose if you trace back, you know, through the ancestry, perhaps or something. But I went to Egypt and because you guys were living there, and you weren't living in a hotel, you know, kind of doing the tourist life. You were living in Egypt. I got to experience Egypt from that perspective, from that living there in the in the city, in Cairo. And that was a phenomenal experience for me. It has shaped so much of my life from that moment on. So this is part of the gift that, that your coincidence uh, turned into my gift as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And what it um, what it gave to your dad and I um, is that it you recognized all our all our kids recognized that that was our home for four years. Four years is a long time. Yes. And as you said, we didn't live in a hotel. We um, we lived right in. Uh, Cairo um, chose not to live in the expat community, but to live um, where um, most of the people were Egyptians, and um, took Arabic lessons. And so, by the time we left, after four years, were quite fluent in the language, at least to speak it. I chose not to learn to read or write it, um, but could carry on certainly everyday conversations. And my clients there were appalled to discover that I knew what they were talking about when they were talking amongst each other and so they couldn't talk about me anymore. Um, and and we were we were thrilled to be able to um, show you around not only the tourist attractions there and there are many, but to show you our life there and to have you be a part of it for the two weeks or whatever it was that you came to visit. Um, and and for me, um, that notion that we're never alone and the other piece that we are we are at our deepest places all the same um, was one that I held as a, a theoretical belief, a philosophy before that. Um, and I'd been to other places in the world, but never lived in them as long as I did in Egypt. Um, it became so real for me because here were people um, with backgrounds and cultures and religious beliefs so different from my own. And and as I said, I fell in love with them. Um, I knew, uh, you know, I learned that they 
worried about the same things I worried about. They hoped for the same kinds of things I hoped for. They struggled with the same kinds of issues that I struggled with. Um, we could talk about just about anything, in fact, about anything. And that was um, remarkable and just cemented in me that not just anymore a belief but a knowing that we are uh, in the world just at our hearts all the same. That knowing was or belief wasn't even part of my landscape when I went there. I mean, I, I was... I was still working in the government. I was, I'd had a very rational, logical kind of life up until that point where, you know, if something made sense, you did it and you kind of considered the trade-offs and the payoffs. And I wasn't really very, I didn't think that I was, I, I don't think looking back now that I was very deep then. Um, I think I kind of skated along the surface and that I was quite content to do so. One of the things that you showed me when I was there was, um, was that, how to and it's not even, this isn't the right language, but how to be with other humans. I mean, I know it sounds silly, mm -hmm. but this, the depth, I, if I trace back the thread in my life, like one of the things that brought me into this work that I do now, that is one of the threads that brought me here, is that experience of going to another country. The first time I went by myself, the second time I went with my husband, but the first time I went alone, I had never traveled anywhere alone before. Maybe, you know, cities in Canada to do work. But I'd never right. traveled overseas by myself before. Um, some trips with family. But this was the first time that I got on an airplane and crossed the ocean alone. Uh, I was scared. I was unsure of what I was going to experience. There was a terrorist attack a week before I went. And I considered canceling. Um, and I went, and when I got there, I saw you and my dad in a very different light than I saw you at home, because at home it was familiar, we have our friends, you had your friends, you and I and dad even lived together for a short time uh, before, while you were in, before you went to Egypt, so, you know, this life here was very kind of regular, going there and seeing how you were with these people who, in my mind, I guess I had made up some stories that they were different, different religion, different beliefs, different culture, and then you were so at home with them. And at home, I mean, you had intimate conversations with them, which I witnessed, and intimate interaction with them, which I witnessed. And that set my life in a different direction. And that's one of the things that set my life in a different direction. Fascinating. The, um, the, 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 Somehow the image that popped into my head as you were as you were speaking and um, and and we're talking about um, how alike we all are wherever we are in the world. Um, we have differences too, of course we do. Um, but at the heart of it, how alike we are is uh, is a time I can't recall whether you were with us, you, were, you were with us or not. Your dad and I went to um, a little um, village. I want to say in the south of Egypt, and I'm not sure of my directions anymore, but it was, um, it was uh, in a, I don't even know what to call it. I, if I say park, it doesn't uh, describe it properly because it was more like a jungle. Um, it was an oasis, so it was very wet and very lush and very green, which is unusual, of course, for Egypt. And we were, um, we'd been told to go there by some friends and we had gone and it was 
just gorgeous. And we're walking around and just exploring and suddenly came upon a group of school children, little girls. Ah, uh, girls again. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And they were, but they were little girls. They were, uh, I'd say, elementary school age um, with their teacher. And um, they spotted us about the same moment that we spotted them. And, you know, we were just going to walk on, smile and say hello and walk on by. Um, except that in those days I was blonde. I'm now white, but I was <laughs> blonde. And they caught a look of that. And suddenly I was surrounded by little girls. Um, and the older ones of those little girls, I'm very short, some of whom were as tall as I was, were, yes. were touching my hair, um, reaching out and touching my hair. And it freaked me out, honestly, um, because there were so many hands on my head. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't frightened. It was just like, what is going on here? And, and all they could see when they looked at me was the hair. And um, I think my recollection is that what I said to them um, in Arabic was, please don't touch me, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly all the hands went down, and um, I, this was fairly early on in our time there, so my Arabic was not as good as it became, but it was good enough that we could say hello, we could say we were from Canada, um, I could tell them my name, and I could ask them theirs, and that's about as deep as that conversation went, and, and then off we went. Um, it was in that moment a reminder, because I felt so at home in Egypt, um, and, you know, we don't walk around thinking, most of us, thinking, what do I look like in this moment in time? Yes. Um, of course, I know that I'm not brown-skinned, and of course, I know that my hair is light and my eyes are blue. Um, I know that, but I don't think about that. And so when they suddenly, all of them, wanted to touch my hair, it was an absolute shock to my whole system. I mean, I had a, a, a kind of electric shock up my body. Mm. Um, and in that moment, I recognized that I am not the same as you, as them. I am not yeah. the same. Yes. Um, because I didn't remember that. Mm-hmm. Does this make any sense whatsoever? Well, it's, Um, you know, what you're pointing to is that this notion of separation and unity, it's always there. Both, both are there. You are, we are, we are alike and we're not. We, we share, we share the human experience and we don't. Yes. We're we're cut from the same cloth and we're very, very different. Very, very different. And we are the same and we are each of us unique. Yes. Yes. Um, and that not, not either or, but both and. Yes. Um, is so powerful when you can hold that. And, of course, it, just one second prior to being um, touched by all these little girls, I wasn't holding the both and, yeah. um, consciously at any right. rate. Right. I, was, I was holding that we, we are all the same. And yeah. that reminded me that, and we, we are um, very different. Um, wow. And I, yeah, I was, it was, I was, uh, I was there that day. I was there. I was with you that Were day, you? and I remember that. Um, we are at the end of our time. 
And I have so enjoyed sharing this conversation with you and with our listeners here today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Shamin. It it has felt to me just like one of our conversations. Um, I'm amazed that we've talked for this long. And and, um, I think I said to you in the break, I I hope that um, your listeners, at least some of your listeners, have... Um, enjoyed the conversation too. It's a little odd to be having it with people listening in, and I wondered for a moment whether anybody cared what we were talking about except you and, and me. And if it was only you and me, as you said, then that's cool. Um, uh, I, however, I, I really do hope it's resonated with others. I'm sure that it did. Now, listeners, here's something for you to let simmer in the pot. If you have enjoyed this conversation, reflect on something coincidental that happened in your life. Uh, Think about what it showed you that you might not have noticed had it not happened and think about how things unfolded from there. And if you want to send me an email and uh, tell me more about what you've been reflecting on, I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm Shamin Sadiq. We were here with Linda Sadiq and we'll see you next week. Take care. so much for joining us today for stories from the heart of leadership shamin sadik will be back next monday with another extraordinary guest at 11 a.m pacific time and 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel we hope you'll come back as well have a terrific week and remember you are not alone Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.